0: Come on, young. Do better than that. Who's ready for a good word today? Anybody remember our sermon series? Authentic discipleship. Two very words that have been definitely redefined in our age. At least we have our own definition, and the Bible has another, right? Somebody says, "I want everything authentic," but a really, if we're honest, we're too timid and scared to receive it. You know, it's like, just be real with me. And then you're like, whoa, back up. And discipleship, right, has become some program or six months endeavor instead of a lifelong lifestyle that Yeshua laid out for us in order for us to receive what he has to offer. Authentic discipleship. So I was looking back on our year. and We're going to start the message here. Authentic discipleship, the value of being yoked. Amen? This year... The beginning of this year, we felt led to start the year off with a series called Essentials. The essentials of our Christian walk, if you would. We started that off in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And now, at the end of the year, we felt led to end the year with the necessity of authentic discipleship. Saints, we believe that our generation doesn't need better methods. It doesn't need mechanical institutions. There are plenty of those. We don't need better or more monuments to dead saints. We need better men. We need better men. We need better men. At least the ladies in here can say so. Those who are short of a man. I need a man. Where is he? Praise the Lord. You pray amen and we'll raise him up. <laughs> Saints, if your heavenly father's goal was to raise well-educated, lofty, individualistic, self-sufficient Christians who never saw trial, tribulation, or difficulty, or conflict, who never knew suffering or knew anything about overcoming impossibility, then why did he send his son or he himself come in the flesh for 33 years and endeavor to plan it? John says it. He came and tabernacled among us. He came and he was with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Why in the world did he not just go, oh, done. I'll get on the cross tomorrow, do my work and gone as a grown man. He could have, could he not? But he did not. Correct? You're right. He came as born as a baby. He grew in knowledge and in stature of the Lord, the scripture says. In understanding as a child, he grew up to make a willing sacrifice of his life. As a full grown man. How many of you know Jesus is not a little cute little baby somewhere around December where he pops up every now and then? No, he's a full grown man. He was a lamb and now he's coming back as a lion. He is both and he's all in all. Because we believe that the actions, this particular body of people, and definitely me, believe the actions of the pre-cross Messiah Messiah. The pre cross Son of God is just as important as the post cross risen, risen Son of God. Amen. They are both equally as important. Saints, the things that we, are, we have shared with you in this last now six weeks are our experiences. Our, act, our experiences of actually putting into practice, watch this, what we saw Yeshua do. So even if he never said a word when he showed up on the planet, he walked out. Anybody know about body language? Anybody can read some body language every now and then? You're like, I know what you're trying to say, but you're not saying anything. Well, Yeshua was the ultimate father's body language. And he came to say something by how he walked out what he walked. What we've been sharing with you for now six weeks is what he did on top of what he said. How many of you know that you could learn to be obedient by the father just by watching the son before you even opened up your ears? The truth is that's how you started your salvation. Saints, how many of you have found value in, some, in someone actually demonstrating for you what they're actually talking about? Anybody like that? I needed to grow up in a shop class, right? I didn't do the professor thing well. You transfer your knowledge to me, good, now I'm perfected. No, that didn't work for me. And I don't think that's what Yeshua was trying to get across either. Or the father would have simply wrote about himself and never showed up in the flesh. So how many, raise your hands, how many of you found value in someone demonstrating to you what they have been trying to verbally teach you? Amen. Then we're in this together. Saints, people are tired of fine arguments coming from fruitless lives. Our society is tired of fine articulated arguments coming from fruitless lives. It does not help people draw closer to the Lord and trust him more. This is exactly what your father did when he came in the flesh to show you what he had been speaking for 4,000 years. When we say authentic, somebody say authentic. When we say authentic discipleship, we mean real, raw, uncut, no closed doors, in the light. Do you want that? If you don't want it, do you think you need it? Yes, you need it. See, some of you don't want it because you know that then it would be required of you. Okay? Yeah. But if there's no darkness in you and only light, and the light's overcoming the darkness that is in you, then you'd be okay with being in the light, wouldn't you? Yeah. Okay, we're gonna get real this morning? Yeah. Amen. Right? This means we do not need more mechanical religion that makes better machines, but rather makes real men. We don't need more mechanical religion making better machines that we call men. We need better men making better men than themselves. And this is what Yeshua was trying to say. Hmm. Today, we're going to remind you of the value of the co-mission. Are you with me? Come on. Saints, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, you can turn there. And verse 2 starts like this. We thank God for all of you regularly mentioning you in our prayers. Calling to mind before God and our Father that our Lord, uh, what our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, have brought about to you. How your trust produces action. Anybody here last week? Your love, hard work. And your perseverance, your hope, perseverance. We know, brothers, that God has loved and chosen you. How many of you struggle with feeling chosen sometimes? Well, you need to believe what the word says about you instead of what your feelings say about you. Amen. That the good news we brought did not become to you a matter of only words, but also one of power, of the ruah HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and of total deep conviction. Yes. How many of you know your opinions are not your convictions? Yes. Just as you know how we lived for your sakes when we lived with you. On display as a representation to see what it looks like for a man of God to learn to trust God you indeed became imitators watch this of us oh and also of the Lord you see that takes confidence to say hey imitate me that means you'll actually have to be someone of integrity and you know what you should not fear that because he's with you transforming you and bringing you into every one of our destinies the image of the son that he loves Anybody ever wonder why you, you were born? What's your destiny? The word says it. Be conformed in the image of the son that he loves. Praise the Lord. So that even though you were, you were going through severe troubles, you received the word with joy from the Ruach Kadesh, the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, thus you became a pattern for all believers. What do you think the Lord's trying to do with you and also with this body? To make you a pattern for what needs to be seen in this region. Messiah Yeshua. The image and reflection of who he is. So that they might be able to come to the father. And break the fatherless generation. In Macedonia and Achaia. For the Lord's message sounded forth from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia. But everywhere your trust towards God became known. Everywhere Everywhere you put your foot. In the Kroger, in your jobs, right? In the park, in this beautiful place we're in, in a CrossFit, whatever it is. Wherever you put your foot, the trust of God on display was now manifest openly for other people to see what it looks like. Saints, these words are our, your leadership here at bremnit Church, our greatest desire for you in Thessalonians. The aim of authentic discipleship has never been to make elite students of the Bible or morally perfected individuals who can adhere to the most accurate deeds or creeds. Are you with me this morning? That is not the aim of authentic discipleship. The target of those who disciple others, if you here are discipling, you should, the target of Those who disciple others should never be to make a better version of yourself. Saints, the aim of authentic discipleship is a greater display of your measure of trust in Yeshua. That is the aim. For 33 years, Yeshua modeled a man on fire. He modeled a man on fire for God because he he was the perfect representation of trust in his father. He did nothing. Unless he saw the Father doing it, didn't that? Isn't that what he said? He was modeling something for you. You should expect your life to look like the pre-cross Yeshua. The aim of authentic discipleship, or the aim of everything we teach, is to increase your capacity for trust. How many of you have trust issues? Now we're finally honest. How many of you have honest issues? The ones you didn't raise hand. (laughs) You're innately cynical. And the Lord knows that. And he's coming to heal that in you. Amen? Amen. You know how he did that? He Immersed you in a body of people. Mm. And that's why God designed your walk in his kingdom to be tethered together with other people. He said, we all love to talk about Yeshua, but we don't really like to talk about his people. Isn't it funny, isn't the Bible, did not he call us his body? He's the head and we're the body? Yeah, okay, let me get past that one. Saints, because you can say you trust a God you don't see, but will you trust his body that you do see? Hmm. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Yeshua came and he talked with him and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make people. Go and make people from all nations into Talmudim, into disciples, immersing them. Right? We say baptizing, we think that's the actual denomination. Immerse them. Immerse them. Like, dunk you all the way underwater. You're going to have to transform if you're going to live under there, right? Because you weren't designed to do so. So super, something supernaturally has to be changed for you to be able to breathe underwater. And the same thing has to happen when you're immersed in the kingdom. You have to be transformed to survive. Right. Immersing them in the reality of the father. I love that. This is CJB. Re- immersing them in the reality of the father. <laughs> right? Dang. Sounds very mystical, right? No, it's very practical. In the work of the son and in the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. How many things? Everything, everything that I have Suggest it to you? No, commanded you. You know when you can receive a command when you love somebody. You know when you can't? When you don't really love them or trust them. And remember, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Saints, the end of the age has not come. Therefore, he's here. Amen? There's a reason that those responsible for putting together the canon of Scripture and creating chapter breaks and subject headings in your Bible titled this particular passage, The Great Commission, or Theologians, did so. Because it could never be accomplished alone. And I don't just mean through the precious, necessary indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I mean with each other. Are you with me this morning? Good, then you can turn to First John chapter 1, verse 1. Verse John 1, 1. The word which gives life, CJB, he existed from the beginning. We have heard him and we have seen him with our own eyes. This means it's not apologetics. He's not making an argument. He's making a statement about an experience. We have contemplated him and we have touched him with our hands. Exclamation point. Woo! The life appeared and we have seen it. We testify to it and we're announcing it to you. Hey, it's eternal life. He was with the father and he appeared to us. What we have seen and heard, we are proclaiming to you so that you too may have fellowship. Watch this. With us okay you're gonna get this in a minute our fellowship is with the Father and with His son Yeshua the Messiah we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete anybody need a little feeling of some joy verse 5 then listen up and this is the message which we have heard from him and proclaim to you God is light and there is no darkness in him none if we claim to have fellowship with him Put your hands up like this. Point to the heavens. If we claim to have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we are lying and not living out the truth. But if we are walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. You can't have one without the other. You line yourself one way or you lie to yourself the other. Both are tethered together. Your love of the Father shows by your love with those around you. You say you love the Father, but you don't love each other. John says you're lying. And it's one thing to lie to somebody else, it's another thing to lie to yourself. But look, here's the promise. If we claim that fellowship with Him while we're still walking in darkness, we are lying and living out not the truth, but if we are walking, In the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And if we fellowship with one another as though we're fellowship with God, the blood of the Son, Yeshua, purifies us from all sin. You remember that Greek word for sin? harmatia? It purifies us from all relational misidentification. That's what that word means. When you fellowship with one another, when you're tethered and tied together with one another, right, and that is your expression of love to Yahweh, right, then your relational misidentification is being driven out by light. That's a good word. Saints, the Great Commission is not just because, the Great Commission is not just great because of its grand global scale. It is great because of the size of the mission it takes to get you to give up your individualistic natures, and run tethered together with one another in the kingdom. That's why it's so grand. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Say commission when you get there. Matthew chapter 11 is where we're going to camp today and expound on the vitality and the necessity of the commission Yeshua said that you were supposed to be immersed in. Are you ready? Are you really, really ready? Good. Matthew, chapter 11, verse 25. At that time, Yeshua said, stop. You have been taught to be cherry picking the scriptures, right? Take that little sweet fruit and move on. At what time, Yeshua said? That should be your question. When you're reading your Bible, you should stop and not move any further until you go back and do your due diligence and, and realize what time was he actually speaking about. Y'all ready for this? i me give you a little quick synopsis so that we can get on to Matthew 11 so that you might actually get this beautiful jewel in your Bible. You want milk or meat this morning? Amen. Amen. Come on. At that time, Yeshua said, you don't have to turn with me, but you should. Hold your finger in your Bible right there and turn back to Matthew 9:35 just a few pages back and we're going to enter in to this situation. Matthew 9:35. Yeshua went through all the towns and the villages teaching in their synagogues. So begin to picture this in your mind preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord, just ask him, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into the field. Saints, at a time when God's people who loved him were doing their best to follow him, but were lost and weary from the journey, God comes in the flesh and sets an example to others to model what was most needed. Not what was most wanted, what was most needed. What was most needed right here in Matthew 5 in the mind of Yeshua? Shepherds. Not consumers, but contributors. That's how you can think. Not consumers, but contributors. Workers. He says the sheep are plentiful. It's the shepherds that are few. The leaders, the ones who want to step up and give what has been given and not hold it in reserve. The sheep are plentiful and have all gone astray. But those who are equipped to lay down their lives for one another, they're few. So look at what he says as I track you all the way back to Matthew 11. Matthew 10, 1. So he called his 12 to him and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and every sickness. What what happened there? They freely gave what they were freely received. Amen? They freely gave what they freely received. Have Have you been given anything? from God. Saints, anything. Yes? Amen. Then what you have been given is designed to give away. That's how you receive more. Hello? Like in Job, holding the hand of the Father and holding the hand of the broken, you are now become a conduit for the inheritance of heaven to move through into. Saints, if you're holding in reserve that which that can be utilized for the advancement of the kingdom in the name of good stewardship you should examine John 6 and also examine Luke 11 and realize that you are actually selling yourself short and the kingdom short the difference between potential and the reality of that potential is the same as me holding a seed in my hand and the tree that came from that seed what's the difference Potential reality. Man, I have that potential. Amen. We all have that potential. We're made in the image and likeness of God, but you need to be sown. You need to be put in the ground. Be okay with the, obscur- the obscurity of no one seeing you. Right? Pray for the rain and ask the Lord to break forth and come through and make you something that you're not. Take your potential and make it reality. Take you a seed and now make you a fruit-producing oak of righteousness. Amen? Yes. Matthew ten seven. As you go, preach the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Amen? Amen. Yeshua gives everyone the benefit of the doubt as though you're actually going to do what he said. That's That's amazing to me. Look at what this progression begins to do for us. Matthew 10, 16, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be shrewd as snake and innocent as doves. Okay. 10, Matthew 10, 21. Brothers will betray brother to death, and a father as child. Children will rebel against his parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you, hate you because of me, and he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Whew. Okay, Yeshua, it's getting real. Verse 24. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house had been called Beelzebub, Lord of Flies, attributed to the devil himself, how much more the members of his household? Oh, they're not going to like me? Verse 26, so do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim on the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for pennies, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. Do you trust him? Verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Verse 37, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves his son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me either. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life, that person will find it. It's interesting the feelings that go through your mind when he begins to speak these things. Cason, turn that heater off, please. Thank you. Matthew eleven two, 2. And when John was in prison, about to give his head on a literal platter, he asked, what was it that the Messiah was doing? And, he, and Yeshua sent the disciples and told him, verse 4, go back and report to John what you hear and see. What you hear and what you see. He sent the disciple. I'm sorry. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Matthew 11:16. To what can I compare this generation? For they are like children sitting in a marketplace and calling out to each other. I played a flute for you and you did not dance. I sang a dirge and you did not mourn. Saints, that's a wedding song and a funeral song. I played you the happy song and it didn't equate to you trusting the Father. I played you a mourning song and it's reverent and good and it produced no action in you. I played both of those for you and you didn't dance to my fiddle. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and he's not talking about water. And they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, because you can't get drunk on water, friends. And a friend of tax collectors, not really, not sure how he's doing that, but okay. And of sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. Actions. Matthew eleven twenty, 20. Then Yeshua began to denounce the cities in which most of the miracles had been performed because they did not repent nor turn around and face their father when he gave them every excuse to do so. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. At that time, Yeshua said. Are you with me this morning? Is that worth the labor? At that time time, in those places, when you feel like that, when you just sat and listened to the Son of God lay that on you, at that time, Yeshua said what he's about to teach us today. Verse 28, come to me, all who are weary and all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. saints if I were standing there during these conversations the last thing the last thing that I would have taken away from Yeshua's teaching was that was an invitation for rest are you following me you're like I don't get that in part could you repeat that please after two hours of dissertation on some things that really gripped my soul and got me worried I mean, my life is going to be spent around the diseased, the mentally sick lepers and the demonic. Everything I receive from you, I'm supposed to happily give away to some people who are going to turn out to be wolves and snakes. Your presence in my life is going to cause my own family to despise me because of my distinction and maybe even disown me because of my drawing close to you. My love for you is gonna come under heavenly investigation if I prioritize my kids' needs, my kingdom needs over my kids' needs? And when the governmental authorities find me a threat for preaching your gospel, my reward's gonna be my head on their platter? That doesn't cause me rest. That causes me anxiety, Yeshua. so, 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 please teach me because I want the rest. I, I can give away, I, I want to give away the anxiety. So, how do I find rest in that life? Hmm. This is what Yeshua says. <laughs> I praise you, Father. Whew. I'm glad somebody did in the moment because it probably wouldn't have been me. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. How many of you felt the presence of the Lord in this place this morning? Maybe you even had a glimpse or a moment where you're like, don't ever grow out of that. Don't ever seek to grow out of that. That's not growth. For I have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them. To infants. Saints, this is the truth. If I still feel anxiety when these times come, it's because I have yet to receive the full rest that Yeshua has to offer. And it's because I have yet to put into practice what he is about to teach us. Pay attention. Matthew 11, 26. Yes, Father, for this way. Somebody say this way. This way was pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son will, watch this, reveal Him. You know what that word is in the Greek? Apocalypto. Okay, you recognize some of that, right? Yeah, sometimes the revelation of God to me is like an apocalypse to my life. It's like, this is crazy, right? Okay, listen, the Lord writes a narrative in every one of your life. Some of you are comedy. Some are a drama, right? Some of you are a love story at the moment. Mine's kind of apocalyptic. It just is what it is. It's how it's, how it's been. A little bit wild. That word literally means to literally, to remove a veil or covering, exposing to open view what has been hidden before. Watch this. To make manifest. Meaning it's not an ethereal thought anymore. It's not a spiritual, I'm like, yes, it's like mystical. No, you can see it. To make something that is spiritual, watch this, very tangible. How many of you need that in your life? A little bit of practicality in this place? All right? A couple of pessimists every now and then in here? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, saints, so many people are preoccupied with the apocalypse of the second coming that they miss and fail to receive the full effect of the first coming. Are you with me? Have you received the full effect of the first coming? Because some of you are preoccupied with the second coming so much that you're missing and overlooking what is. If you never put into practice the actions of Yeshua's first Mission on earth, you will never understand his commission with you now. Saints, the commission is not an invitation to a global campaign of the gospel. Matthew 28 said it go and make. You go and make, not go and watch Jesus make. You go and make, go and immerse them into all that the Godhead is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. When you immerse your body into water, it takes the weight away, doesn't it? Anybody do that, right? When you immerse your body into full water, right, it takes the weight away. It's therapeutic, it can be, right, because it takes the weight of the gravity away. When you immerse yourself and others into the relationship of the Heavenly Father, when you immerse your life into the finished work of Yeshua, And his sonship. And when you immerse yourself into the spirit filled life, you will find rest for your soul. And if your soul rests, your flesh will follow. John said it. There is healing in there is healing in the immersion of yourself into the father, son and the Holy Spirit into his body. Mm. Do you want to know how to get there? Somebody say, please, I hear all that, but tell me how to get there. In Matthew eleven twenty-five, 25, verse 30, God in the flesh is literally standing in front of them, telling them what he has been saying all along. This is the context in which you walk into Matthew 11. God in the flesh is literally standing there. That alone should speak volumes. And then what comes out of his mouth should wreck you. Or at least transform you. But let's be honest, most of us need to tear down a few things in order to build up rightly. Verse 28, come to me, he says. Man, that takes a lot just to get you to do that. All who are weary and all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That's a promise. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's start with that come to me for a minute. That is from Isaiah 55.1. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come. Buy and eat, come. Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. That's really good news for someone who's broke. Spiritually bankrupt. Bankrupt. That's why Yeshua said blessed are those who are poor in spirit because you can't buy anything until you're poverty stricken in spirit knowing you're in need from a treasury from heaven. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what it does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good in your soul. It will. It's going to do something. It's going to delight in the riches of fair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live wow saints at what point in your life does this call from yeshua ever stop being relevant ever psalm 92 the righteous will flourish like a palm tree they will grow like a cedar of lebanon planted in the house of the lord they will flourish like They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still be bearing fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and they will stay green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. The only way that you get this, I'm just endeavoring into the end. I'm going to slide and coast into the kingdom. I'm going to hold on to heaven. That's not the Holy Spirit. You're depleting, not growing. You're going backwards, not forward. In the kingdom, you arise and you produce more in your older age than in your young. I'm 44 years old, been following Jesus for over two decades. And I'm more fire now than the first year I met him. Because I love him because he continues over and over and over to prove himself faithful, to raise me from my failure, to give me victory that's not my own, to give me life where I was dead, to give me a family where I was lonely, to give me what I cannot get for myself. Somebody needs to get alive in this place this morning. Saints, are you thirsty when you start a race or after you begin to run it? Is your appetite greater before laboring or after you've produced an appetite? Come to me, all who are weary. Some of your translations say all who, you who labor. And all you who are heavy laden. Let me help you there. That word weary or labor implies the burdens that we take upon ourselves. This is what it literally means in the Greek. Burdens that we take upon ourselves. Heavy laden implies the burdens that other people put on you. Are you following me? Labor, I put that on myself. Heavy laden, other people put that on me. Saints men become weary when they work for Yeshua instead of work with Yeshua. Commission. They become weary when they work for Yeshua instead of work with Yeshua. Men become weary when they constantly work for approval! Instead of with approval! They become weary when they... when they work for attention! Instead of with His attention! They will become weary when they work for recognition, instead of with His recognition! They become weary when they work for acceptance, instead of with His acceptance, because they have not truly come to Yeshua and freely received these necessities! Men become weary because men become weary because they are constantly building Babel by building better methods. Constantly building Babel by building better doctrines, spending their lives building better creeds, better reputations, better accomplishments, better, 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 better. Everything better than what Yeshua already laid out for you. That's exhausting. That's exhausting, and Yeshua did not place those requirements on you. You did. Come to me, all. Come to me, all who are weary of your self-imposed labor. Heavy laden is different than your self-imposed labor, saints. Heavy laden implies the burdens that others put on you. Heavy laden suggests the same thought that we see in Matthew 23, 4 when Yeshua spoke against the religious leaders of his day as those who bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, he says. Heavy laden, Matthew 23, 4. This is exactly the same word in the exact. This is when well-meaning preachers that can move your heart but never move God's heart, get your attention. This is when well-spoken teachers that tickle your ears but never hear from heaven themselves have your life. This is when well-crafted doctrines that feed your intellect but never inspire your soul nor transfer the lives around you that are under your influence are actually the thing that you give your life for. These are the additional creeds, the additional deeds and methods of men it's the, it's the, um, hmm, I cannot, so you should not. I can't, so you shouldn't either. You want me to give you some examples? Yes. One of the most dominant ones since I've been in this land for four years, right, has been alcoholic beverages. Right? Number one, you can't, you can't really participate in Passover or communion unless you substitute But anyway, I cannot drink an alcoholic beverage without getting drunk. So you should create a corporate prohibition over the entire body of Christ and call it biblical. That's what you should do. Pastor, listen. This is what you should do. I can't control myself with these particular items in hand. So what you should do is tell us all, no, you can't. Great. Well, let's, un- let's just unify and call that a denominational mandate. Oh, wait, that's been done before. You know what? While we are still at it, let's include the length of the woman's hair, what, is, what we define as dancing, <laughs> what color we should be in order to fellowship together, what agenda what 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 gender you're attracted to or what trees that are in your living room in december that qualify you as being saved let's include all these things and allow every one of us to never allow the gospel to destroy our illusions of real freedom and experience the reality of what rest could be yours verse 28 In a time like that where people like that surrounded in a crowd sitting like this where many of us are on one side of the camp and the other, Jesus says, hey, you, whatever side you're on, you come to me, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. All you who are weary from the load and labor you put on yourself and are heavy laden with those things that other people put on you, come to me and I, I'm the third option, I'll give you rest. Says that's a promise. Rest. Rest is your promise. It's not something held in heaven for you. It's yours now. How many of you in here, if you're honest, are tired more than you're rested? Talking to me now. I'm tired more than, you rest, than I'm rested. Then this next part is for you because Yeshua is about to tell you how to turn that thing around. Yeah, I've been reading the Bible for myself this week. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm still waiting for that one. Are you? It's easy and light. Some of you who actually are doers in the kingdom are going, Yeah, I'm honest. I'm still praying about what that means. Saints, a yoke in your Bible was a, a way of life. If you were a rabbi, it could be your interpretation of Torah, but better yet, it was the way that you applied your interpretation of the Torah. Are you following me? That was a yoke. It wasn't something that came from an egg, it was a yoke. Many of you have seen those out here on some of the animals on a ranch. You have seen a yoke, an object placed over the shoulders of maybe a bull or, or in biblical times an oxen, right? And what you don't, a yoke is never alone. It's always at least two. A yoke. A yoke, if you were a rabbi, this, in the first century, it became, a, the terminology yoke was your way of reading Torah, and going, okay. I read it, but how am I going to apply it and put this into action in my life? Are you following me? For example, let me let me just do that for you. Example for me, okay? Since I brought up the uh, hot topic of alcohol, I ain't had a drink in like months. Been working too much, and I'm about to drink. I mean, like a respectable drink, like a glass of wine or something. A margarita'd be nice, right? It's a sip with a brother or something. So anyway, does that matter? I know that the Bible teaches us that we are free to drink alcohol, but that we are not free to get drunk. That's what it teaches accurately. I also, I also, it also teaches us to not live unto God looking for what we can get away with. More important, concessions. And it also teaches us to live free from spiritual legalities. It teaches all those things and then leaves it up to you to follow him through it. The way that I carry that out as a pastor is that I do not feel the freedom to place an extra rule on you that says because you drank one too many beers at the ballgame last month that you should never drink again. Because I believe the greater danger is for a leader to add something to the Word of God that God did not add to his word. Amen. For those of you who are alcoholics or ex-alcoholics, you should think twice about returning to what once bound you. For those of you who who, who were once religious and bound to religiosity by a legalistic religious nature you also should equally think twice about returning to what once bound you both alcohol and religion are spoken of in your bible as life-giving and also deadly as a disciple of Yeshua myself I must walk out my life for you Enslaved by neither of those. And this is what you're watching. Another example. I'm all over it today. Some of you celebrate Christmas, Christmas, Halloween, and Easter, or Easter. Others of you celebrate the biblical feasts written in your Bible. And others, Hanukkah, which is a Jewish tradition. Some of you celebrate both and some of you celebrate neither. I find some of these biblically offensive. Others just counterproductive. And the others very beneficial to knowing Yeshua's heart. If you want to know what I think about each one of those, you can see me after I'm on this mic. As, but as your pastor and representative of Yeshua, I recognize that most of you were raised to move with the majority and be led by the loudest voice in your life. And that is why you are personally invested in these things. Listen to me. I personally think that moving with the masses and jumping on a bandwagon just because it's new is more dangerous than having an Asherah pole in your living room, or having a children, or having your child dress up as Harry Potter, the teenage warlock. Because if you can never live in life, listen to me, around those with different strong opinions, then you will never develop deep convictions yourself. Years And years and years will go by and you will find yourself surrounded by everyone that supports your cause and no one that helps you sharpen your convictions. Shallow or no relationships will be what is in your life. And you will never have sinners and tax collectors surrounded by you, so you will never actually be expressing what the pre-cross Yeshua's life looked like. Jeremiah 12:5, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? Saints the kingdom is full of all kinds of people in every walk of life, and if we are not willing to give the effort to run with them, you will never compete supernaturally. You will only coast into the kingdom and receive the goodness of God and on Judgment day you'll sit there. And look at Yeshua in the eyes and say, thank you for allowing me into the kingdom, but I did squander my inheritance. Saints, today we're talking about the commission with Yeshua that came to all men. Somebody say all men. By the time Yeshua walked on the planet, when the word made flesh came and showed up on the planet, there was a yoke of the kingdom. There was a yoke of Torah. There was a yoke of the command. There was a yoke of teshuva, repentance. There was a yoke of faith. There was a yoke, a general yoke of God. There was yoke, or this was an expression used and Yeshua is now utilizing it to be able to bring home something relevant and teach you. The yoke of Yeshua is easy and it's light compared to the yoke of others. This is what he's teaching The yoke of Yeshua is easy and light as long as we do not rebel against it. The yoke of Yeshua is given by him, not other men. The yoke of Yeshua does not include the burdens we ourselves choose to add to it. The yoke of Yeshua is the way of life that is offered from him. And watch this. Taken by us. He offered it. But like the mantle that fell from Elijah, you have to pick it up. Don't you? That's a free will offering. Your life, saints, is a free will offering. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah shows up when the king Nebuchadnezzar is in rule and he's speaking to Israel and he's and he shows up wearing a wooden yoke. And he says, like this, Nebuchadnezzar, right, is going to put his yoke on you and it's going to enslave you. Another false prophet shows up, takes that yoke off of him and breaks it. Jeremiah comes back and puts a, a, a yoke of iron on and said, like this then is what Nebuchadnezzar's is going to put on you. What's significant about that for us today? Let me tell you what. The yoke that Jeremiah offered first was a yoke of wood and could be broken by men. And if you don't receive that, then what's left for you is a yoke of iron that cannot be broken by men. Take my yoke, my wooden yoke, that offering that says, if you want to, there's room in here for you to break this. I won't break it, says the Lord, but you can break it. I won't break it, but other men will snatch it off of you and try to break it. But I'm going to entrust this wooden yoke on you, and I want you to show that you love me by not taking it off and breaking it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. What does that imply? If you do this, then you'll know these things. If you don't know these things today, it's because you haven't. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if that's not your reality today, then you need to put it on and move in it. Jeremiah six sixteen. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look for the ancient past. Ask for the good way and walk In it and you will find rest for your souls. You think Yeshua is coming up with his own words? No, he's a Torah-made flesh. He's repeating himself. It's just now the words are now manifest in front of you. Saints, your Bible recognizes that what you may call archaic, old and outdated, God calls presently relevant because his word and his ways are eternal and life giving. And wherever there is a need for renewal of life, he is there. Jeremiah said that in order to find rest for your souls, that you would have to walk in it to receive it. Yeshua said the same thing when he said to you that you must take it up in order to benefit from it. Take up what? His yoke. And when you do so, that afterwards you will come to realize that it is easy and that it is light. Now, how in the world, after listening to Yeshua's first dissertation before he got to this portion in Matthew 11. After all the conflict that he said your life is actually going to produce if you do follow him. How in the world would it be easy and it also light? I'm going to tell you. Because he or you would never bear it alone. Saints men try to carry the life of Yeshua purchased for them alone every day and they find it unbearable. So they become weary and they become heavy laden because they believe that they are on a co mission with Yeshua. But every man on a co mission with Yeshua must ask themselves this question whether it's true of your life or not. Where are my disciples? If you are on a commission with Yeshua and you have yet to make a single disciple, you have not left Jerusalem. You're like a 40-year-old man still living at home, never going out to accomplish what his father taught him. The rest that you possess is not the rest of Yeshua, or at least what he died for. Saints, there's so much more. There's so much more more at what point in your life christian that's been following yeshua for quite a while did you stop today is the day to begin again and start every day's a new day that's the point you can never reach the depths of his of him do you want rest saints then you're going to have to learn to shoulder the load both corporately and generationally Matthew eleven twenty five. 25, at that time, Yeshua said. Track back with me for a minute in Matthew 9, 35. Yeshua went out to all the towns and the villages, remember? Preaching in the synagogues, right? Giving the good news, heal the sick, raise the dead, I'll sick, everything's going to happen, right? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Any fathers or husbands in here? You're the pastor of your home. You're the shepherd of your home. Anyone leading others towards Yeshua? Right, ladies? You're shepherdess of Yeshua. Every one of us qualify. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the field. Saints, if you were raised in, first, in the first century, you would have understood that Yeshua was talking about a yoke placed on the shoulders of beast of burden or some oxen to reach the hearts of people. Don't You, you know, oxens were actually designed to carry heavy loads, right? That means it was a blessing for them, that they were designed to do these things. It was a blessing for them to carry a heavy load, and you, you will be blessed, too. When you, when you finally realize what you're called to carry. When training a new animal in the first century, right, in the context in which we're reading it, when training a new animal, such as an ox, to plow the harvest field, ancient farmers often yoked it to an older ox, a stronger ox, a more experienced animal who bore the burden while guiding the younger oxen through the learning process a yoke was placed on their shoulders. Saints, when you participate in authentic discipleship, as we're talking about, those who have gone before you will bear up together with you the load you are called to carry, and it will be rest for you. Yeshua said that the kingdom belonged to those with childlike faith and humility. That means... A 20-year-old could lead a 40-year-old if they had had experientially gone before them in the kingdom. Your measurements are men's measurements. In the kingdom, those things don't matter. They may line up, but they don't matter. That's why 20-year-olds have led me towards deeper things in Yeshua than I ever known at 44. Hmm. I love that. Because that usually means the older needs some time learning humility and the father knows it. Some of you need wisdom and understanding so God tethers you together with those older than you. Amen. Some of you have gotten the cart before the horse in life and missed some developmental years in the kingdom. So God tethers you together with those younger than you. Some of you are older and your purpose in life has always been to help the younger succeed and you're just now realizing it. Some of you are younger, and, you pos- and your purpose in life is to hold up the arms of the older. When you are selfless, when you have the interest of the kingdom above your own, when you are truly in this for the sake of the harvest of Yeshua, Yeshua can place his yoke on you, and you will find rest. Why? Because you have finally come to realize that a yoke was never designed to be carried alone. Sidestep with me for a minute to Galatians 2, 6-2, and then we're going to get back to where we're at. Galatians 6-2 says it like this. Bear one another's burdens. Okay. Amen. In this way, you are to, to be... In this way, you will be fulfilling the Torah's true uh, meaning, which the Messiah upholds. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is really nothing, he's fooling himself. So let each of you scrutinize your own actions. Then if you do find something to boast about, at least the boasting will be based on what you have actually done. And not merely on the judgment that you are better than someone else. Man, superiority is a big, big problem in the body of Christ. For, watch this, verse 5, For each person will carry his own load. So which one is it? Which one is it? Are we to bear one another's load? Or are each of us to carry our own load? I'm going to help you here. Galatians 6, 2, this word in the Greek is baros. Bear one another's burdens. Burden is baros. It's an overloaded ship. An overloaded cargo ship. Baros. In in chapter 6, verse 5, it is a different word. Carry your own load. It is fortune. And it is a normally loaded ship. So which one are you to do? Both. Both. One's an overloaded ship and another is a normally loaded ship. But when I'm normally loaded with the fortune of God, the load of God, you know what? There's one other passage in your Bible that that calls the glory of God, the fortune of God. Is it bad to carry the fortune of God, the, the glory of God? But is it weighty? Oh, it can be. It's a responsibility, at least if you step up to it. Saints, demonstration is what we're talking about. The older directs the the older can direct the younger. But when these when these two oxen were tethered together, I'm gonna just give you a demonstration. How about that? I keep talking about demonstration. Might as well give you one. Obviously, not an oxen, and this not a yoke, but you can deal with it. <laughs> right? <sighs> Dylan, come up. Dylan's slightly under the that knows where direction comes from. This is what Yeshua is teaching us. He's using the imagery and he's saying, take my yoke upon you and carry it. And so if Dylan and I were harvesting or plowing the harvest field, we'd move in a direction, right? And he'd go to the right and I'd go to the left and I'd like, nope, no, this way, son this way son this way right and he can rebel against it but we're not gonna get much done or he could yield to it and we will produce a fine harvest for the Lord you know what's funny about this if you study this sometimes two oxen were being driven and if you looked at an aerial view down there was a yoke And then there was another piece of wood that would go the opposite way behind us. And standing behind them would be something called a bond servant. And that bond servant would be encouraging the two oxen, you can do this. You're standing in remnant church. This is our vision. This is what we do. The older and the younger are excited to work together. We are plowing the harvest together and we learn from one another, from one another, from one another. Now here's where you, you may have stopped and we need to move on in your understanding. In Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Immerse them in this and make them, to follow these commandments, repeat after me is what Yeshua is saying. Do what I did for you. We often say, well, Yeshua's carrying one end, and I'm carrying the other. That is true. But how does it look when it manifests on earth? You're looking at it. You can see what he's talking about spiritually, physically, right here, as we carry a yoke. What does that look like, Dylan? Dylan, you got a family. You're a husband now. How many years you been doing that? Two and a half. Yeah. I think I might have something to, that can, he can learn from. Take that yoke, son. I'm going to help you get to where you want to go. No strings attached. Just all I would love to see is you to be the best husband that you're supposed to be. How about a father? How long you been that? Yeah. Eight months. Eight months. I've been one a little while. I think I have some things to teach you. And then he looks at me and says, I got a few things to teach you. And I'm like, I'm sure you do. (laughs) And then he says, maybe we should go left. And I'm like, no, we're going to go right. No, we're going to go right. OK, we'll go left today. And then we go left, and we produce a greater harvest than we did before. And then I look at him and say, that's a good job, son. Thank you for teaching me that. I was getting a little stubborn because I'm getting a little old. Thank you for keeping me on track. So that I might produce the harvest to the end. You can put that down. Plus, he's a little stronger, just a little. My yoke—it's easy. My burden's light. Let me help you with those too, because you're trading. Some weariness and heaviness for something else. How many of you have been in the kingdom and you haven't found it to be that easy? Well, that's not what that word means. It's a poor translation. It's "curios" and it means well-fitting. My yoke is well-fitting. In Israel, an ox yoke were made of wood. The yoke was carefully adjusted so that it would be well-fitting and not gall the neck of the patient beast. The yoke was tailor-made to fit the one who carried it. That's why you can't carry mine. You have to carry yours. Didn't Yeshua say it? Take up your cross. I'm going to take up mine and show you how to do it. The word light is eliphros, and it means uplifting. That sounds good when you're called to carry fortune. Just have a normal loaded day in a normal Christian life. Matthew 27, 32, this is what this reminds me of. Did Yeshua himself carry his cross by himself to in this totality? <laughs> Simon of Cyrene helped him carry his cross. Saints, if the son of man needed to help to carry his cross, how do we call our lives a accurate representation of the commission of Christ if we carry ours alone? Or allow those around us to carry theirs while we watch. Discipleship is not authentic until you take on the yoke of the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Total rest is not found until you do it like he did it. If he walked with a limp, you walk with a limp. Saints, those who are older are called to set the stage for the younger and get off. Those who are younger are called to step up and believe that you can because you have seen it done. And both of you, both of us, are called by Yeshua himself to take the yoke, of that way of life, and find rest in it. Many men admire the words of Yeshua, but never experience their effect because that's all they ever do with his words is admire them. There's a world of difference between potential and promise, and promise belongs to those who trust enough to step out of the boat and find rest in the fact that they can walk on water just like Yeshua did I'm going to close this message with a quote and a scripture an example and an encouragement Theodore Roosevelt has a a little something called a man in, a, in the arena a man inside the arena it goes like this and it might make it on my office wall It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong may stumble or where the doer of the deeds could have done it better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by the dust, who has sweat and blood present in his life, who strives valiantly, who errs who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcomings to the one who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. So that his place shall never be with those cold, timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Either you're in their arena or you're watching those who are actually accomplishing this. Your critics are going to always have an opinion about how you could do this better. You just ask them to show you how they're doing it and you're going to find out that they're not doing it at all anyway. So then your way's better. 1 Kings 20, 11. And then the king of Israel answered, tell him, one who puts on his armor should not boast like the one who takes it off. The one who puts on his armor should not boast like the one who takes it off. Who do you want to go to war with, saints? Who do you want to run with? When you look to your left and your right, do you want a man and a woman with tattered armor or just men with shiny armor? I'll take a rusted sword and tattered armor all day long to those who have shiny, well-spit-polished armor and a sharp, sharp sword. It was Aaron, the older brother who caused Moses to succeed in the exodus. It was Moses, the older, who caused Joshua to inherit a land. It was Yeshua, Hebrew says, our elder brother, causing you to inherit eternal life, written in the gospels. It was Malachi who called the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Elijah, that will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and sons to the fathers in this generation. Saints, the victory goes to the victor. And those who actually take Yeshua's word seriously and do it. And those will be the ones who find what is hidden for the weary and hidden for the heavy laden. Do you want to trade being weary and heavy laden for something that is well fit and uplifting, saints? Then I encourage you today to take his yoke upon you. To take that yoke upon yourself and to take the yoke of another. Yeshua showed his love to the Father by bearing his cross. You show your love to the Father by bearing with one another. Yoke yourself, not just with Yeshua. Yoke yourself with his body. And you will find rest. Stand with me. Mighty God, we thank you that you have called us to come to you. We thank you that you have filled us with your Ruach HaKodesh, your mighty power that we might actually do so. And we thank you, mighty God, that you said and we received that you are with us always as we carry out the very commands then which you have given us. We love you, mighty God. And we lift up your name today, not just in word, but in deed, not just in spirit, Lord God, but together right here in your body. We love you, mighty God. And we pray these things in your name. And everybody said.